Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, and as promised, let's go right to the phones and joining us from Tightline Outdoors, Mr. Matt Ensley. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Terry. I understand your cohorts are all up at Grand Lake trying to administer a, an ice fishing tournament, so uh, I get to talk to the the good angler in the group. Well, thank you for the compliment. Yeah, they're <laughs> up there right in the middle of it. It'll be over around noon. Yeah. Hey, I got to give kudos to your guys, too, especially Will. Um, as I was traveling, I stayed overnight by the airport here when I left, and I ran into some people visiting. They wanted to get out. They had some teenage boys, and they were outdoor kind of people, and we were able to arrange for them to get out ice fishing, and I guess they just had a blast, so that was fantastic. The the ice fishing bike for trout, particularly in the mountains, is going very strong. The cold snap has got everything locked up pr- pretty nicely right now for uh, ice conditions, even on the front range. Just be a little careful for uh, fisher cracks and things like that. I know you and I were going to talk about getting ready for open water, and I think we still should, but um, probably a lot of the open water that, if you would ask me last weekend, that I thought we might be approaching even today, we're probably a week or two away now, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's going to get pushed to the end of the month with this cold snap, the last two cold snaps, actually. You know, zero or three degree weather is a way to get that ice really tight. And like you, I'm a little bit... um, there's ice on the front range, and I was just talking St. Vereen Park, and it's if unless you're very experienced at reading ice and know what's going on, this can be, even with this cold front, it can be a, a time when, be so careful. Up in the mountains, it's tremendous. You can go just about anywhere. It's locked up. It's thick. It's wonderful. They're driving cars on it at Lake John, but on the front range, I, I would proceed with the utmost caution. Absolutely. I, I'll tell you a story. Uh, it's been quite a few years ago, but the first day of March, I was at Cherry Creek, walked out on the lake. It was absolutely a gorgeous day. Um, no wind of any kind, and the ice seemed safe. I drilled the hole. It was eight inches. Before I got up and could get back to the bank, the wind came up, and that ice broke up, and it was just sheets that we were walking on to try and jump from sheet to sheet to get back to the bank. It can so happen. be very careful. Yeah, it can happen so quickly because even though there's thicknesses of ice, it can be very difficult to tell if it's honeycombed or good ice. It freezes, refreezes, gets discolored. So just be careful. But what are you seeing out there as far as bites? Where, If people were asking you where would you take them on a guide trip or where would you send them? Most of our guide trips for, uh, are for trout right now, and it's Antero. The fish are shallow. They're on the edges of uh, remaining grass beds or pockets in the grass bed, and you can catch them on spoons, uh, small uh, tube baits, plastics, tipped with waxies, things like that. And we're catching a lot of trout, as you mentioned. No, I, I, I think it's, and I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, and along those lines, I want to talk a little bit about open water too, if you don't mind, because I think there's a few lakes on the Front Range that are going to, um, well, I think, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see some phenomenal fishing when the ice does receive, even, even before it's all the way off. Uh, especially for the trout on the front range. Front range gets heavily stocked in the fall to accommodate ice fishermen. 
and we didn't get the continuous fishing pressure on any of the front range bodies of water because it was on again, off again. When that ice does recede, even when it's only partially receded from the shore, I think we're going to see a lot of trout that have been in these front range lakes and not only the stalkers, but these front range lakes tend to have some really big holdover trout. And I think when that does happen, that could happen in just a couple of weeks. Um, there could be some phenomenal, there could be a window of phenomenal fishing. Absolutely. That influx of oxygen, as soon as that ice comes off, you know, the, the two best times for ice is first ice and last ice. Both are very dangerous, but if you're out there, the oxygen levels are good and the fish are biting and they, they'll turn on not just trout, but the other species as well, walleye, bass, panfish. They'll all be very active as soon as that ice begins to come off. Uh, speaking of that, I've heard reports that Aurora Reservoir has been producing some big perch again. Aurora, Terry, I can't tell you, the best perch lake in the front range is Aurora Reservoir. I have caught so many 12-inch perch out of there in recent years, uh, mostly in the open water season, but if the ice is good in the back of Marina Cove and Senac and the other pockets, you can get in there and, and set on some of those uh, perch schools and just kill them, and they're all toad perch, just beautiful perch. Well, you know, a long time ago when they built that reservoir, I fished it quite a bit trying to learn the lake, and I lived by Cherry Creek Reservoir at that time. Now I've moved. I lived in Fort Collins, so I don't fish the Metro Lakes as much as I used to, but the perch just blossomed in that lake, and and maybe we weren't getting a lot of 12 and 13s, but we were getting a lot of 11s and 12s and, and an occasional 13 or 14, and then they they kind of stunted and there was prolific perch, but the big ones got harder to catch. But I think along with what you're saying, we've seen that reverse again and cycle through, and we're seeing not only numbers but good perch. And you expect that to continue for a while? Absolutely. I caught them right up to, uh, you know, the late closing. And uh, the technique that I like to use out there is a, a, a drop shot. I'll, I'll put one to two hooks above that drop shot, uh, tip it with a piece of night crawler. Uh, in the real cold part of the season, sometimes I'll go to um, uh, popcorn shrimp. You can get it from King Supers, a little frozen popcorn shrimp, put a piece of that on there. And uh, you want to be mobile. You want to uh, mark your fish. You want to see the school because you won't miss them. They'll be from the bottom up five, six feet um, high, uh, the schools. And when the locator blacks out like that, get down there. It's a school of those jumbo perch. And get that drop shot right in, in their face, hang it uh either just off the bottom or go all the way to the bottom and start coming up with it until you contact them. And they will, um, sometimes you catch two, if you've got two hooks or three hooks, you'll catch two or three at a time because uh, they'll whack it and then you'll get set hook on that one and another one hits it almost instantaneously. Well, you know, fun. Well, you know, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I can tell you that when I used to chase perch on all the front range lakes before, depending on which ones were active, one of the best things I used to do was a double anchor system, and I'd put an anchor down, and then I'd have to have a ton of rope to let it out, and then I'd find the perch first, and then I'd try to anchor over where I'd seen them cruising and hope that I would set up where they had were or had just been, and they'd cruise through again. And if you did locate them, it was like you said, but now we've got a feature on our trolling motors called uh you know, spot lock or depending on which brand you have or the electronic anchor that has made that kind of fishing really effective. It's a blast. You just, as soon as you mark them and you're over top of them, hit the anchor boat 
and you're sitting there within five feet of that uh, school of fish until they move on. And they will move a little bit. That's why I mentioned stay mobile. When you lose them and you're not marking them, move around just a little bit. They don't go far. They might be, you know, 50 feet away, sometimes 100 feet away. They will move away from the boat sometimes, particularly if you're making a long noise. Boy, talk about the difference, though, between having to doing all that anchoring and repositioning and now with the spot lock. I'll I'll tell you what, the the two— uh, I remember when electronics first, I'm so old, first became popular and we were so overwhelmed. Then we got GPS. But between the detailed mapping that's available now and the spot lock on our trolling, those two things have revolutionized because two of the things that used to separate the tournament angler from the weekend angler were boat control and keeping uh, and then finding those spot on the spot structures. And boy, have we come a long way in that regard. Absolutely. I'll add one third thing to the new electronics and that side scan. You know, the tournament fishermen nowadays, they don't even pre-fish. They go out, they run their boat, they use their side scan, and they locate anywhere from 30 to 40 spots that they want to run and hit during the tournament. And they'll they'll lay off of them and then uh, fish them uh, during the tournament. But they're using the side scan imaging to see those schools of bait and fish and where they're relating. Um, well, is, uh, we talked about the trout becoming available as soon as this ice recedes. Are uh, raw reservoir perch, you think, going to be available to the shore fishermen for a period of time when the ice recedes? Because they do come up in the spring to stage and spawn, or do they tend to stay offshore a little? Yes. Uh, no, they will spawn. Both walleye and perch will be as soon as the ice comes off, because we're mid-February now, we're a couple of weeks away, usually the the front range lakes along the Platte River, the ponds and smaller bodies of water will thaw quickly because they're fed by the Platte or the underground water coming from that area. Um, and the larger lakes like Cherry Creek, Aurora, will take a little bit longer. I wouldn't expect them to open to boating until at least the end of the first week of March, uh, possibly even the second week, depending on ice conditions. But uh, if you're fishing from the bank, the lake was, lakes will open anyway, and you can cast out little small, tiny uh, tube baits. Uh, plastics will work quite well. You can tip them, like I said, with a piece of night crawler, get the bait on the bottom, and get it out as deep as you can. The pre-spawn for walleye and, and perch are the, the same time. They spawn from 43-degree water temperature up to um, low 50s. So that's in spawn window, and they'll all move shallow to spawn right up on the banks. So you can reach them from the bank. All right. So if you were going fishing, I'm going to give you two questions. If you're going fishing in the next, this say tomorrow, it's going to be 40 degrees or close. Where would you go? Would you go ice or try for open water? Probably no open water. And where's the first open water spot you're going to look for as soon as it does start coming available? Sure. Well, I'd go ice fishing right now in the mountains. And, uh, you know, my favorite lake right now this time of year is Intero. Um, shallow water, uh, anywhere from 5 feet to 12 feet of water. Uh, locate those grass beds, get on the edge of some of them, and, and again, move around if you're not getting bites. Uh, small plastic spoons are all working up there right now. My first open water lake will probably be uh, Cherry Creek because it's shallow. It's only 26 feet maximum right in front of the tower, but the average depth out there is probably 18 to 20. And uh, it's it's I would go out there for the walleye off the rocks on the dam. Um, and if you want to go for bass, I would uh, recommend Quincy again off the dam. 
tossing baits out and bringing them up those rocks. Those fish are relating to those rocks. They're in the basin area. That's the deepest water in the lake uh, from the winter, and they'll still be there for the first two, three weeks of March, and then they'll begin to move a little shallower. All right, my friend, great information as always. And, of course, if people want more information or book a trip, tightlineoutdoors.com and Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Matt Ensley, great, great resource. Always does a great job for us. We're going to take a time on. We come back. Randy Ford's going to join us, and we are going to um, talk about ice fishing at uh, Dillon Reservoir and summer fishing, too. Dillon Reservoir is in a resurgence. We talked about it last year, and it is phenomenal. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones. If you were um, following me on Facebook on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you would know the second hour of this show we were going to... Um, Revisit something that I wrote about in the Denver Post last weekend, last year rather. In fact, I brought the article up and reposted it and mentioned that the uh, person who provided the information for that article, Randy Ford, was going to join us. And that's the phenomenal fishing and the, re- the rebound, the re- how, ba- how well Dillon Reservoir has just come back as a fishery. Randy, good morning. Hey, Terry, how you doing today? You know, I am doing great, and 10 years ago, I never even would have thought to go fishing at Dillon anymore because I would have thought I might get a few stalker trout. Now, not that I'm against that. I'll go fish for them, but there were other places if I was going to drive that far. My, how times have changed. Yeah, you know, um, it, it is. It's uh, definitely definitely a difference uh, now, uh, you know, you know, uh, versus how how it's been the last uh, 10, 15 years. Um, you know, with the introduction of the Arctic char, uh, that brought about that opportunity. So they started stocking those fish um, in 2000 through 2014. And um, since then, we've definitely seen that population um, take hold and start to naturally reproduce. So um, uh, we're finding uh, every year that opportunity kind of uh, presents itself more and more with uh, just a, uh, you know, a, a growth in average size of what you can catch out here. Well, well, and what they've seen, Randy, too, is the Arctic, they just had the toughest time um, getting a balance of forage and growth and species of fish in Dillon that maintained a healthy fishery that provided a, a myriad of opportunities. And by getting those char to, stake off, to take off, that helped the entire fishery, including the browns who ate some of the char. And now they've introduced another um, kind of a semi-pelagic fish that's even adding to it, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Uh, with these Hoffer rainbow trout, um, 
you, you know, Terry, anytime you look at a fishery and, and you, and you want to go fishing, you, you want to focus um, as much on the species that you're targeting. You want to focus on the forage base. And at Dillon, we, have, we really have an amazing forage base with the mycie shrimp. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a forage that's high in proteins and, and fats, and it's just really healthy food for the fish. Um, so, you know, that's the, the mycie shrimp. Um, a, a lot of people, uh, when, when you talk about Dillon, they think the mycie shrimp were responsible for the crash of the fishery. Well, what actually happened was the fishery um, under, uh, underwent what was called the new reservoir effect. When it first filled up, you had hay fields out here, you had a town, you had, you had all the um, basics, uh, the basis of the food chain in the water. And it, uh, along with that, you had this huge population of brown trout that were in three different river systems, the, the Blue River, the Ten Mile, and the Snake. And so those, those river systems before the reservoir here were loaded with these, these wild fish, so to speak, that were introduced in the late 1800s. So when the reservoir filled up, you had this amazing um, uh, basis of, of forage. Uh, uh, really, it, it was generated from cow manure, you know, the nice soil that was in the hay fields and, and all that stuff. But when time went on, because the water coming in here is so clean, it comes from the mountain springs. Um, above this reservoir, you don't have any cattle ranches. You don't have any basins or anything like that. So the water coming in is really cold, really clear. It, it doesn't carry a whole lot of small forage. So um, what happened was the reservoir flushed itself clean, and the fishery crashed because of, of a lack of a smaller forage than my sea shrimp called uh, Daphnia zooplankton. So what you had was a super clear water. Um, it was super oxygenated, and it had very nice gravelly shoals out here. We have excellent spawning grounds out here at Dillon. So you had a... a a variety of species that were able to spawn and reproduce, but once those small fish um, hatched, they didn't have anything to eat, and so that caused a crash in the fishery. So then the fisheries managers noticed that there were uh, natural lakes in the upper Canadian Shield that had these mycie shrimp, and they figured that it would really be the solution and provide forage for your smaller fish in here. And um, unfortunately, uh, when they stocked the the mycie shrimp into the reservoir. Um, they didn't present themselves to the trout. And the reason is, is this reservoir is really deep and it's got so much current and so much oxygen. Those mycie shrimp um, were able to survive in uh, you know, 150 feet plus water. And trout just weren't able to get down there and feed them. And so, so the mycie shrimp didn't cause the problem. They were just a uh, attempt to, uh, for a solution that at the time didn't help. So, but now enter the Arctic char and they can take advantage of, and the entire food chain is benefiting. Exactly. And so those Arctic char are able to pull that energy and those calories out of that deeper water. And Terry, the fun thing is, is this summer, um, I, I, my deepest catch was 189 feet. So that's a whole different kind of fishing. It's something new. Um, it's kind of unique and, um, you know, being able to go target a, a fish and, and pull it out of 189 feet is, is, is pretty, uh, it's not that common. Um, so uh, something fun to do that's a little different. And, um, you know, we're really finding that, that the Arctic char are, are presenting angling opportunities. Um, in the springtime, they'll, uh, you know, there's a certain population of them that lose track of the mycie shrimp after ice off. 
and those fish will move up into the inlets um, and to take advantage of the forage that's being flushed down. And so we see these uh, these nice 15, 16, 17-inch char. Guys are coming in the spring um, during runoff when, when uh, you know, the other fishing opportunities are blown out um, due to high water. You know, you can come down here to Dillon now, fish these inlets, and have an opportunity of, you know, picking you up an Arctic char on a fly rod. Um, you know, and, and then we're pretty much able um, from uh, when the ice comes onto the main reservoir here until ice off, we're, we're normally able to target them and, and at least get on the fish. You know how fishing is. There's days when they're just not biting. But, um, you know, most days we're able to go out there and get a few fish. Um, most of huge on average yet. You know, we're still in that 12, 13-inch average size. But as time goes on, um, I, I, I predict that that average size will can continue to, uh, to to get better as far as the char are concerned. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And then I think, uh, and I want to get to the rainbows in a minute, but even last year we were starting to see an impact on the brown population because of it, weren't we? A- absolutely. Um, you know, we come out here and, and uh, we, we target these, these char, and we end up catching a lot of small ones. Uh, what, I, what I classify as subcatchable you know, in the, in the six to, to eight inch range. And you would, uh, you'd be surprised on how many of them have little scars where, uh, Mr. Big Brown Trout was in there, um, you know, chasing them around. So. And now they've introduced the Hofer rainbows. Tell us about that. You know, Terry, that's, that's to, to me has been, um, as far as fishing opportunity goes and, and catching fish, um, that has been the best thing that's happened to us. Um, what, what we've been able to do is, uh, work with, uh, you know, and talk with John Ewert with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Um, we, we started finding that we, when we'd come out here ice fishing, we didn't catch a whole lot of rainbow trout. Um, but the ones I caught, and if I did harvest them, I'd, I'd got them in, in their guts would be loaded full of mice and shrimp. And so, um, you know, uh, what was going on is when, when the ice comes on, Terry, the, the uh, the mycy shrimp will will move in shallower when the when the winter approaches and the days get shorter and uh, the the light conditions are better for them they actually will move into into 30 40 50 60 feet of water and we're finding um, rainbow trout in the winter time a very select few of them in the winter time able to able to eat them during the winter so what uh, what the CPW did in this season we we got a ton of them but this is the third year in a row now that right before ice on, uh, they have been stocking rainbow trout. And so what's happening is those rainbow trout are doing well all winter long, feeding on mycetes shrimp, which have moved into shallower water because, um, because of the ice cover. Mycetes shrimp are photosensitive, Terry. So, they, you know, when the, when the ice comes on and you get a good layer of snow and the light conditions change down there, then they move in shallower. And so now... We have 30,000 of these rainbow trout out here doing really well. They're, they're growing since they've been stocked. Um, they're super fat because of the mycy shrimp diet, and they're just presenting one heck of an uh, angling opportunity out here for, for quite a few folks this season. And, you know, there's something that you can harvest if you want something for the pan. And uh, as we mentioned, the huffer string. Um, this, this strain from Germany seems to be a bit more robust. And, uh, you know, we, we, when we go out and target these char, we're, pay, we're actually picking up a few of these rainbows that have, 
been able to key in on the mycies forage and we're, you know we're picking up trout out of 65 70 feet of water and that's not something you commonly hear of when you think about ice fishing for trout um you know you're not you're normally not going into into 60 feet for for rainbow trout so, randy we're going to run out of time but i got two real quick questions for you um I want you to tell, first of all, I know you were out on Williams Fork, and there's an ice fishing contest there in a couple weeks, so I want you to give me one tip for Williams Fork, and then real quick, just what do you think of the fishing overall at Dillon right now, and how do they get a hold of you? Um, Well, you can get a hold of me by calling me at 970-485-9560. Our website is fishdillon.com. And then um, we also do uh, trip reports, photos, and all that kind of stuff on Facebook. So if, you, if you're a Facebook user and you want to hop on over there and look up Alpine Fishing Adventures, there's a ton of info and stuff, and obviously all of our contact info on there. Um, Williams Fork, biggest tip I got for you, get yourself over some deeper water. Watch for suspended fish. Um, you know, sit there, focus, fish for those fish coming in on the bottom. But by golly, when you see a, fi- a suspended fish come in, you better get up there in a hurry and wait for a strike. Um, uh, we, we fished it uh, the other day. Uh, we caught fish in everywhere from 55 uh, to 80 feet of water. Uh, we picked fish both uh, up off the bottom. Um, but I can tell you the ones that came in suspended were the ones ready to ready to go ahead and eat and the funnest one to catch, and, you know, your, your hardest strikes. All right, Randy, we got to go, but... Um, people, go look at the Facebook pay, p- post I did about Dillon Reservoir on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. It's got all Randy's information. That lake has turned into such a phenomenal opportunity. Randy, we'll have you on again soon. All right, Terry, thanks. Have a great day. You bet, Randy Ford. And it is, you've got to take advantage of that. Speaking of taking advantage of people, after this break, we're going to talk to J.R. Pierce on 104.3 The Fan. You know, with JR waiting, I hate to wait and have to listen to the song. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. I guess I shouldn't listen to the Eagles. I better go talk to JR. JR, hello. I I see you're there. Good morning, Terry. I know why you uh, think the Eagles are the best, and that's because you've never heard me sing before. And I'd like to keep it that way. (laughs) You know, (laughs) next time we fish, you might be in for a real treat, bud. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, my friend, um, since it's can't tell where you should go fishing anymore, let's go shooting. That sounds like a great plan, Terry. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, on again, off again weather doesn't bother you guys out at Colorado Clays. No, Terry, and I see that's the nice thing about being uh, the premier public shooting facility in Colorado is we are open year-round. And uh, we try and be open during any kind of weather conditions that are 
uh, safe to do so. And that's one of the beautiful things about Colorado Clays is you have an alternative for those cold uh, weekends. You know, one of the things we talk, we talk about the facility all the time. You have skeet, you have trap, you have obviously the sporting clays, and then you have the rifle and the pistol. But you probably more than anybody can accommodate somebody wants to do something a little different or work on a certain aspect, you really have a lot of flexibility in all your uh, disciplines, don't you? Yeah, Terry, and I'm glad you brought that up. That is a good point. I think there's probably um, some things I can bring up here that might be of interest to people that didn't realize. So let's just start um, in the uh, rifle and pistol range. Uh, Even though, you know, it seems pretty standard and straightforward, uh, we do special, we, we request stuff and group stuff in the pistol range. Uh, we have different types of targets. We have different ranges and uh, distances available. And uh, working with our staff can maybe, you know, get you into something you're interested in. Our uh, rifle range. Now, you know, I'm always talking about that 100 yards with the monitor in the bay, the camera on your target, and what a great tool it is for real-time sight-in. But I want to make sure people understand we have the ability to shoot sitting. Uh, We can do prone shooting, shoot off of sticks, standing. Those are all um, options in our state-of-the-art facility, so those are good ones to have as well. Uh, I could jump right up onto the trap line. So we talk about that training trap. Um, One thing really cool about that is that we can actually set a delay on that trap, get right up behind the trap house, and not only can you make sure your gun is dialed in for a nice straight target, but it's an excellent tool for gun mount drills, meaning uh, pulling your gun up and shooting in a, in a good um, non-called-for target. I don't know how else to explain it, but it's kind of a random thing. It gives people the opportunity to really do the whole process and make sure that they're on the money. Um, on our traps, you know, I tell you all the time those are – able to throw regulation ATA targets. But one other thing that's really interesting is doubles is an option on a trap line, and we can certainly do that by request. A lot of guys prepare for ATA tournaments and need to do doubles, and that is an option here at Colorado Clays. And another thing that works out really good when we have, you know, some groups of people come out, they oftentimes like to have two traps, one that's a little more uh, beginning and the other for more advanced shooters because there's a variety of shooters in their group and we have the ability to adjust height and target speed and distance so that we have something for everybody. Um, I know we've talked about the skeet field having that wobble trap which is a great tool for the upland bird hunters um, and the nice thing again if you've never seen a skeet field it's a bigger area and you can really get all of the angles you want for that kind of practice and it's a great place to go down with a group of guys and and uh, have a have a great time because you have the entire field to yourself and there's room for um, larger groups on that so kind of cool and then of course the skeet this is kind of interesting and i don't know if people realize this but We have a lot of Olympic shooters come out. The CU Shooting Sports is actually having an invitational here pretty soon. And we can set up international skeet, meaning a random zero to three second delay with just a minor tweak to the computer and works really good for those wanting to shoot international, but it's a great tool also for the upland hunters because they can get a random um, target launch just kind of like you would with a flush on a bird. So really, really cool there. And then of course the Sporting clays, Terry, uh, great practice all the time. 
but, you know, like this time of year with the clothes uh, that you're going to be wearing, it changes everything. And, uh, you know, the gun mount, the angles, elevations, all those challenges magnify. So it's a good, good tool to get ready for whether you're hunting or um, just going to be tournament or shooting with friends. Practicing when it's cold gets you ready for in the event you need to be ready for that. So kind of cool stuff. Yeah, you know, one of the things I got to comment on, you said you can change the speed on, I believe it was the trap. Do you have one that it can go out there and then kind of freeze and hold in the air till I find it and and then shoot at it? Yeah, Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're moving all. Can. You know how hard to hit they are to hit when they're moving? No. <laughs> yeah, I actually can do that for you. All right. Hey, seriously, all kidding aside, the clothing thing, um, it's cooler weather now, and you guys have you know a lot of outdoor shotgunning. Hunting and bringing that gun up with your hunting clothes on, the clothes you're going to hunt on, is so critical. And not only bringing the gun up, but how you feel and how it rustles and do you make noise and are you comfortable. And the same thing is true with rifle shooting. You know, almost all big game seasons are during colder weather. And I get so many people that they they don't put their big game hunting clothes on until they go out and they make a ton of noise. Well, you don't know that unless you move around in it. But then here's a here's a... I got a, I've got a tip for you, okay? If you're, when you're a big game hunter and you're, before you go out to practice and sight in your rifle, put your hunting clothes on, bring that rifle up, close your eyes and bring your rifle up to where it's your cheeks and, and the rifle where you normally, where your comfort position is. Open your eyes and see if you're really looking through the scope when you do that. Because if you're not, you either have a rifle that doesn't fit or you've got to adjust the way you grip and hold the gun or where your cheek comes into play. Because if, if you're bringing it up with your eyes open, you're auto make, automatically making that adjustment. But it's not automatic when you're looking at a deer or an elk. Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, that, that is and there's probably several things that uh, would apply there. So let's just say that coat and the, the bulky clothes, they do definitely change the fit of a gun, whether it's a or a shotgun. Um, so, you know, your shotgun, of course, is totally going to be different because of the length of the pull on that. So you need to adjust or get used to that, uh, whichever one it is, to, to make sure that you can accommodate that. And on that note, I mean, we are doing the NSCA season opener here, and I've already got guys coming out because anything can happen in February, and they are practicing with those clothes on. Uh, on the rifle, you're right. That eye relief on your scope totally changes when everything moves out of way. So you may want to uh, set that scope with that eye relief in the clothes you're going to be hunting in. Uh, absolutely, and of course, gloves. Um, a lot of times in that colder weather, you're going to want even at least a thin glove on. That changes how the trigger feels, and um, you know the thickness of the glove changes the pull. So you might want to get used to that. And while we're still on the rifle, uh, Terry, that scope. Um, and I know I've talked with you before, but sometimes you can fog up the scope by not breathing properly. And one good good practice point is um, go out there. Shoot that gun when it's cold. Get your eye relief. But also, if you do fog your scope, you can adjust your breathing to where you don't do that, uh, even your glasses. 
And you can learn how to quickly fix that or possibly prevent that, and that might be the difference between you know success or none. We are out of time, my friend. I just do want to remind you that I was going to kick your butt fishing this week, but the ice came back, so you got a reprieve. <laughs> I'll take it, Terry. <laughs> All, right. All right, JR, how do they find you? Uh, ColoradoClays.com. Or give us a call, 303-659-7117. All right, thanks. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks, sir. You bet. JR from Colorado Clays. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. Austin Parr is going to join us for a few minutes and tell us where we need to go fishing right now on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. Joining us from Discount Tackle is Austin Parr. Austin, we don't have a lot of time, but I've been traveling. I wanted to get you on because I knew if anybody knew where the action was for somebody who wants to get out fishing and what the hot baits are, you would. So good morning, my friend. Good morning, Terry. I certainly appreciate you having me on. So what are you seeing out there? You know, we've, this last little cold snap, it has solidified some of our metro ice a little bit, but I can't, uh, you know, say this enough. Definitely being cautious with that is, is as important as anything. But some people are out on Chatfield catching a few walleyes on the, the evening time frame out there in some of the deeper water. Cherry Creek has been good as well. Uh, jigging wraps have been kind of the, the key to success out in those places. A lot of the, the guys throwing minnows and shiners haven't been having as much success. So getting those fish to react has definitely been, you know, the, the thing that you're really looking to do. But, you know, if you're looking to, to ice fish and maybe not on the front range, get up to a little bit more solid ice, the lake trout bite is, is really in full swing at the moment. So whether you're looking to go up to Granby or maybe a little bit less crowded option like Williams Fork, going and, and getting in that 40 to 50 foot range for some of your smaller lake trout has been really productive. Uh, the white tubes haven't been quite as good in a lot of the, the places as of late, going more of the two and a half inch uh, style tube that's going to be more of the brown or, or kind of a smoky olive type color have been good. Um, but then you can go up shallower as well and, and maybe catch some of your bigger fish or also target some of your rainbows. So places like, you know, Antero have been fishing pretty good, and then even moving up to Steamboat and Stagecoach, both have been absolutely on fire if you're looking to catch some good numbers of decent fish. Well, we had the uh, park ranger on from Stagecoach earlier, and he said it is fishing better than he has ever seen it with not only stalkers, but he goes, he thinks like one out of five fish is pushing 20 inches. I would completely second that statement. You know, up there it's been to the point of, you know, fantastic action, you know, not only just in the early morning time frame that we talk about so much, but even throughout the entire day. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, the fish have been really being quite aggressive up there as of late. So instead of going with a lot of your little tiny rat finky kind of style jigs, increasing your size and maybe going up to a, a, a you know, a two-inch gulp minnow, two-and-a-half-inch gulp minnow, or even up to, uh, you know, some of your a uh, little bit larger tube jigs have all been working really well up there. And, and one thing we been really seeing is that these fish if they you know if you miss it on the the first hit they're, they're coming back and 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 eating it even more aggressively the second time so they are uh, a really good it's a good place to go and target if you're looking to just good good numbers of high quality fish you know one we, we had uh, randy ford on from alpine fishing adventures uh earlier in this hour and a lake the last few years that has just there's been an incredible resurgence in the fishing has been dylan 
Absolutely, and we're getting more and more talk of that. And I think Randy is, uh, you know, to blame. I suppose you could say for a lot of that. He's he's taking the taking the the bull by the horns on on getting Dylan back on the map. But the uh, the fishing has been actually really good up there. Whether you're targeting some of your smaller rainbows or or looking for some of those bigger browns or even some of your char, you know, there's a, a wide variety of different angling opportunities up there. And uh, you know, it's something that I think if if people don't think about it, it's something that the people might want to go and, and give a shot to. It's different. It's not getting hit as hard as some of these other lakes and and uh you know the fishing has been quite productive and you've got such a variety you know you're starting to see those char getting over 12 inches uh, 12 14 a lot of little ones yet but you're getting yep. them up in that range those hoffer rainbows are starting to really produce and the brown trout are coming back absolutely you know i haven't been up there fishing myself but i certainly have witnessed a lot of pictures of some of those brown trout reminiscent of the stories that you hear from you know the the late 80s early 90s and uh, i would love to see you know being able you know have an opportunity to go up there and and catch those brown trout that are pushing 10 pounds again and you know what they they don't they don't have big kokanee there but they're starting to come back and there's a good number of kokanee Absolutely, and hopefully with the advent of those those char in there as well, it might uh, clear out some of those mices out of the water column and and be able to get some of those kokanee a little bit larger in there. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, with that naturally reproducing population up there, uh, it's it's a unique fishery in that aspect as well. And and anglers have the opportunity to go out in some of that deeper water and and get your char and your kokanee all at the same time. We got to go, but if you were going to go tomorrow, where would you go? One spot. I- I would say stagecoach. You know, the the fishing has been good. Ice is solid. Not very much slush up there, although there is some snow on the ice. And I'd be putting a gulp minnow on the end of my line. All right, my friend. Where do they get a hold of you? So I'm down at Discount Fishing Tackle, which is six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. I'm down here all the time, and we can talk about all this stuff in a lot more depth if you want to come on down. All right. Thank you, my friend. We will talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Austin Parr with a Discount Fishing Tackle. We went through a myriad of options. You know, I, I'm going to be a perfectly honest. A couple weeks ago when Karen was putting this show together, we thought we'd be talking open water. Before I left for New Orleans, it was like in the high 50s or 60s. I think we even had an evening where, or an afternoon where we sat out on the patio. This cold front came in, and it's dropped the temperatures. Now, it's supposed to be warm today and tomorrow. Then the temperature's going up and down. There's going to be ice fishing opportunities on the front range. I haven't promoted them as much as I normally would have because I'm a little skeptical of the quality of some of the ice. I just... um, you have to be so careful in understanding how to check the ice when you go out in these weather. You might have what you think are 8, 10 inches of good ice, but there could be honeycomb and very weak ice in between. And not only might you fall through, but you get a windy day, and if there's a little bit of open water on the shore, that can break up. In fact, we had Matt Ensley talk about how he was on Cherry Creek when you're during these type of conditions. The wind broke up the ice, and they had to step from ice flow to ice flow to get back off the lake. Not telling you you shouldn't go after these front-range opportunities. If you do, don't go alone. Know what you're doing and be very, very safe. As far as the mountains, the ice fishing in the mountains is phenomenal. We're not seeing that midwinter slowdown because we've had these weather changes. And everywhere from Lake John to Stagecoach to Dillon to Antero, we're hearing nothing but incredible reports right now. So you can go up there and catch some fish. Open water is not far away, but probably your best option right now is ice fishing. We'll keep you on top of everything that's going on on this show 
every Saturday from 9 to 11. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. A lot of these reports, a lot of this information goes on my Facebook page. A lot of my articles from the Denver Post go up there, and our videos all get posted with links to it on Facebook. We're going to step aside. Um, I guess I understand we've got a special edition of the golf show coming up after us today. I heard Jerry and the boys had to come back. I think it was popular demand. People said you couldn't keep them off the off the off the off the air this long they were having withdrawals so we're going to have those guys back i believe they're at the golf expo so that and so much more coming up on 104.3 the fan